0: Take your Bibles this evening and turn to Job chapter number 42 and stand in honor of God's Word. Thank you very much, Glory Bound. Sure appreciate that and how it matched up with uh, the message that we heard. Job and chapter number 42. For those of you that are guests, we've been in a series in the book of Job. Um, in fact, I'll mention just a little bit more about that. But literally two years ago, uh, deci- sorry, March the of 2019, we started the book of Job on college days, so that's pretty neat. Here we are at the end of Job, after a two-year trial, and so <laughs> it's pretty wonderful. I'm sure many of you would be this way about the book of Job. It's uh, it's one of those books probably you've read through and you understood first chapter one and chapter two, and probably chapter forty-two, but those interval chapters, I wasn't real clear on it. Anybody else? Uh, I'm not real clear. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Is he saying right or wrong? And I'm talking about, you know, some of the friends of Job and what they're saying. And so I, uh, every week, I, I just want to say personally, I've looked forward to studying. It's worked me over. <laughs> I feel like I've learned some new things and uh, it's been good for our church. I'm so grateful to God for it. So Job 42 tonight is where we are. And um, I'd like to refer a little bit to other parts of Job, whether I have you turn there or not. We're just going to look at actually the first six verses of chapter 42. And I believe it'll be a help to you tonight. Our series has been entitled this, Trust God in the Trial. Trust God in the Trial. That's really what he wants us to do is just trust him in the trial. Okay, so let's look at it together. It says this. Then Job answered the Lord. Then, it's kind of a pact, then. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. We could preach that a while, couldn't we? <laughs> I know that thou canst do everything. And that no thought can be withholden from thee." And then what he does in verse three, just for clarity, I'm pointing this out, he's quoting God. And this is a quotation from chapter 38, when God began to speak to Job. "Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Job quotes God. Then Job gives his thoughts in answer to what God rebuked him for doing, speaking without knowledge. Anybody else here ever done that before? Speaking without knowledge. Then Job said this, therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. And then verse four, he actually goes back to quoting God again. And this one flows out of chapter 38 and verse three or chapter 40 in verse seven. And it is, is clearly Job quoting what God said. It is not Job speaking uh, to God. Verse 4, he says, Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Back uh, in those chapters, it talks about how God told Job, Gird up thy loins like a man. I wouldn't want God to say that to me, would you? Take this like a man. Yes, sir. (laughs) Okay, look at verse 5. This is beautiful. I've heard of thee, Job speaking, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eye seeth thee. I've heard of you. But now mine eye seeth you. I, I don't think, given what we understand from the context of it, I don't think he had like a heavenly vision. So, so what he's saying there, though, is that I've heard a lot about you. But now I've had some personal experience. All right. Now, verse six, in many ways, is, is the key verse of a lot of what we've considered for many, many weeks now. It's it's almost like I could say finally he says this. Wherefore I abhor myself and what repent, <laughs> repent. I abhor myself, wherefore, because of this, and he's flowing out of verse five, it's such a key verse. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. That was definitely symbolic of, of repentance, dust and ashes. It's almost as though he's saying this, I'm burying my opinion on this. I abhor myself and repent with dust and in ashes. So even though it may not sound like it, there's a lot of relief right there. A lot of relief. It's like a battle was over. And so tonight, I've entitled the message this. The relief of submission. The relief Of submission. It's a good thing. You're not in control. It's a good thing. You're not in control. The relief that comes by way of submission. May God bless the reading of his word. I'm trusting that he'd help in the delivery of the message here tonight. A lot of friends here tonight that. Been part of our lives a long time. Who may find it hard, like I am, uh, to believe that our son Tyler will turn 20 tomorrow. We came here in 2003, so 17 years ago, and we just dropped him off on Monday. He eventually believes God would have him to be involved in physical therapy. He's already working at Valor, physical therapist. Uh, facility and such, but he's going by route of the Army National Guard, the Oklahoma National Guard, so we dropped him off on Monday at 2.30. He began to learn immediately one of the most important lessons in the United States military. I never served my dad was Marine. My brother was 101st Airborne. So it's a little bit in my family. And all my life I heard my dad say, hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. I'd rather be an hour early, stand and wait, than be one minute too late. I don't know how many times I've heard him say that. I'd rather be an hour early, stand and wait, than to be one minute too late. We live by that. I dropped him off at 2.30. So I waved by. Rucksack on his back, ready to go in. Mercy. We thought he would be getting aboard a bus and going down a lot at Fort Sill. Uh, Eventually, and and knowing that he'd spend the night here in Oklahoma City, we knew that part at the hotel. But uh, he learned very quickly that when you go into the United States military, you are not in control. They bust him from there to the airport. Other people coming in, you know, from around the United States coming in to go to Fort Sill as well. And, and then they boarded a bus at 1,800 yesterday. So he spent a whole day basically at the airport learning this very important lesson. You are no longer in control. It's a good lesson for life right there. But I believe right there he was also learning one of his most important responses, and that would be this, Submission submission. You know, they didn't even give him choices on what he was going to eat. Didn't even give him choices on what time he was going to go to bed and what time he was going to get up. Didn't even give him a choice. I'm glad he got a better start than Gomer Powell. <laughs> if you watch Andy Griffith's show, you know, when Andy dropped him off and he's over the talking, come on, man, a theolo- theological show right there, don't you know? <laughs> So over there talking to Andy, and the Sarge comes in, and and the Sarge is wondering, what in the world are you doing over there? And he says, I'll be right there with you, Sarge. <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't tell Sarge that. <laughs> submission. Uh, you know, I found this to be true. You do not have to enlist in the United States military to struggle with submission. You can work at a daycare and struggle with submission. You could be a two-year-old at the daycare and struggle with submission. (laughs) A parent dropping off the two-year-old at the daycare and struggle with submission. Submission, uh, we all struggle with it. We all do. To varying degrees, we struggle with submission. Submission means this, to give over or to yield to the power or authority of another. To give over or to yield to the power or the authority of another. This uh, this morning, I was was making my way to to Southwest. I was getting on I-40 eastbound, and there was a big 18-wheeler, I mean, that was not yielding to my Toyota Tacoma. He was not about to move over, but I guarantee you who won that, the law of big was on his side. And I was supposed to yield anyways, and I did. That was smart. Job went through a lot to bring him to this point. But I want you to know tonight, it doesn't take a trial the size of Job's to reveal that you have a hard time with submission. It can be small things. But what what we want to consider here tonight is actually the relief that came. I mean, there... You may not have detected it. In fact, I wish sometimes, don't you, that we could like get the tone of what the verses are and the, the way that he said this. And, and I think he's saying to God, you can do everything. I know that you can do everything. I think there's maybe excitement or there's, there's resignation there. There's submission there. There's a yieldedness there. And, and, but what we need to understand is that there's been some resistance on Job's part to this place. A year ago, we, I'm sorry, two years ago, we considered uh, the very first sermon and entitled it this. You may or may not remember that, but the trial of the self-interested. Would you serve God without his blessings? It's a good question. Would you serve God without his blessings? I I just want to illustrate what was going on here. So I've got a couple of the guys to help. So Brother Chaz and uh, Brother Jacob, or Fergie. (laughs) I just learned y'all call him Fergie the other day, so Fergie. Who's Fergie? Okay, I get it. So, okay, so you guys are standing here, and, and uh, so we're just gonna let these guys kind of represent something. Righteous, Chaz is a righteous man. Fergie, a wicked man. All right, you got it. Righteous. Wicked. Okay, and then I have two other signs, and you can kind of help me here. Blessings. Which one does this go with? You think, how many of you say, I think blessings go over here, right? Blessings go here. Do blessings belong here with the wicked? No? I'm pulling the audience right here. Doesn't seem to make sense, right? Okay, how about this other one? Suffering. Suffering. Okay, Uh, let me see. Does suffering belong here? (laughs) (laughs) Does suffering belong here? Yes, you're right. Okay, but watch what happens. Here's what happens in the book of Job. If you'll hold that, it is the righteous who are suffering and it is the wicked who are enjoying the blessings of life. And we think, wait a minute, what in the world is going on here? Right? Why are the wicked (laughs) prospering? Why does everything seem to be going their way? And here I am serving God and yet suffering. Do you get it? That's the book of Job. That's the book of Job. And in fact, here's what his friends said, his friends who were supposed to comfort him and miserably did so chapter after chapter after chapter and took us on a two-year journey. As they tried to say, listen, You must be wicked because you are suffering, so you are not righteous, you are wicked. There, now we've got it, because that's what they believed. Which in many ways, that's exactly what the Bible teaches, because if you do wickedness, then you deserve to suffer. And sin has consequences. And the blessings come to those that are living right with God. I mean, there are principles that that bear that out. But here's the problem with that theology. It comes short because the truth is it doesn't always work this way. Sometimes it's the wicked who get the blessings or the prosperity in the life and all those things. And it is actually the righteous who suffer. And Job had been wrestling with that and his friends had been wrestling with that. And Job is insisting, listen, I am not That's right, I am not wicked, I am righteous, and yet I'm suffering. I promise you, I don't, I mean, it's, it, it, nothing in the text was indicating that he was living a sinless life. He understood that we all are sinners. He gets this, but what he's saying is, there's nothing hidden in my life that is bringing the suffering of losing his 10 children and losing all of his wealth and losing his health and, and, and losing his status in society. He was saying, listen, there's no secret sin in my life. Like you're pointing out, in fact, if you look at verse number seven and verse number eight, when God deals with his three, three, God says, you're wrong. And God made it clear that Job is indeed a righteous man. And so even Satan did not question the integrity of Job. He questioned though his motive. And he's saying the only reason that you're serving God is because he's blessing you. And so if we switch this around and now you're suffering, then you'll curse God. Job made some amazing statements. I'm just telling you, Job, Job made some amazing statements. Brother W.L. Smith is here tonight and, and he's preached a series and has a series about the, the statements of Job. And he said things like this, I came into the world naked. I'm gonna go out of the world. The Lord gave, the Lord's taken away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. How great God is is not based on my circumstances. He's blessed. He's righteous. He's holy. He's good. And his wife said, Job, you ought to just curse God and die. Hey, by the way, Job's wife stayed with him. That's significant. We'll come to that next, next week. But, but nonetheless, here, is, here he is. And she says, curse God and die. Just get it over with. And he says, shall we receive good from the hand of God and not evil? In other words, God never promised us that everything would just go smooth. And I'm saying to you tonight, this will help all of us. God never promised you that everything's going to go smooth. And yet you ought to serve him because of who he is. And Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And he said things like this. Someday I, I will see my redeemer. I know that he lives and I'll see him in the latter day. He said things like that. But he also said this. Judgment is gone from me. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, hang on, hang on. In chapter 19 and in chapter 27 and in chapter 9 and even back in chapter 3, I mean, there were some statements that Job made that was along these lines. I know God is right, but this doesn't make sense. Everybody still with me right here? Judgment is gone from me, Job is saying, "It's not right that I'm suffering." You say, "Well, be honest with you, preacher." I kind of agree because there's some things. That have gone on in my life or some lives of people that I know, and it doesn't really match up. And it, it does not seem like God is being fair or God is being righteous. It just seems like everything is off at this time. And if you're honest, and if I'm honest, think we'd say much the same thing Lord I'm trying to serve you and yet my parents are breaking up God you brought me here to Bible College and I still haven't got a job now if you don't have a job because you haven't tried to get a job that's on you right But if you're here and you've lost hours and your bill is coming up due and all those things, and here you are, you're doing what's right. You're in your place. You're doing, and yet you're losing hours, and your car broke down, and all those things are happening. It's just like it's piling on. By the way, it just seems like it doesn't just come in small amounts. It like it comes in floods. And you look around and you see the wicked and they're just doing great and, and even wicked uh, people even at church or youth group and you think, man, why doesn't does God, if I were God, oh man, if I were the Almighty, where do I fill out the resume? Where, where do I fill out the application? I, I like that job, do you really? Sometimes I think we think that we think we could do a better job running the universe. Because, and, and hey, listen, I am not here for one second to pick on Job. He's one of our heroes of the faith, and he, he kept, he maintained his integrity, and yet there was something that Job was doing. In fact, Elihu, he's not one of the three. He's the, the fourth man that comes on the scene. He says to Job, Job, I don't think that there's sin in your life that's in your past, but there's sin in the way that you've been dealing with this. And you said that God's not righteous. You said that God's judgment has departed from you. And I'll tell you what Job did. He sat there and he was quiet. Whereas he refuted the other three. He did not refute Elihu. Why did he not refute Elihu? Maybe it was because God began to speak at that point and he didn't have a chance to. But I think Job sat there. In fact, Elihu, he went long enough. He's the longest winded of all of them that he had ample time to say something, but I think Job sat there and did not say a thing because he and his heart of hearts knew that Elihu was on to something. That he had been questioning God's righteousness and his ways. And so then what we have is that there's a big thundercloud that rolls in. Come on, just like we've seen here today a little bit in 50 mile an hour wind coming in and, and blowing on the scene. And this big thunderstorm that comes and watch this. God spoke out of the whirlwind. Oh, I love it when God speaks to us on those calm days. Those nice days, but oftentimes God speaks to us in the midst of a storm. And I'll tell you this, you'll learn more from a storm than you will from a calm day. It was a storm that took the life of his children, and now it's a storm from which God begins to speak. And God speaks to Job and, and gives Job a rather thorough science test of 77 questions that he could not find the answer key to it. He did not know the answers to it. Talk about an ACT test. Talk about an SAT test. This was God's test to Job and saying, where were you when I founded the the foundations of the earth? And he talked about the constellations and he talked about the planetary movements and he talked about the subterranean floor of the earth, the lowest parts of the earth that at that time had not been explored. Have you been there, Job? And I'm telling you, just put him in his place. Do you know, y'all can sit down. I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to keep you standing there. You're suffering as a righteous man. Okay. Do you know when the the mountain goats are going to have calves? Do you know uh, why the the wild donkey, did you set him free as he's going there? Did you make the ostrich run so fast? That one's got a little context to it. I never knew. Look it up sometimes how fast an ostrich can fly. Anyway, I don't have time to demonstrate. So, Flying. I mean, God's saying to Job, Job, can you control the horse? In chapter 40, Job speaks and says, I'm vile, and I'm laying my hand on him, and I'm not saying anymore. That was smart. I think Job realized, the more I say right here, the worse it's getting for me. You've been there. Your parents ask you, hey, what were you talking about there? And you begin to explain, and and you. (laughs) Or you're at work and you begin to explain, and you're digging a hole. And then you realize, you know what? Every time I say something, I mean, even to me, it sounds dumb. (laughs) You just keep digging. Job realized, uh, Okay, I don't know as much as I thought I knew, and I'm not in control as much as I thought I was in control. So I'm just going to stop right here. Okay, watch this. Very important to the message here tonight. He was subdued, but he was not submitted. There's a difference. And, And some of you tonight are subdued, but you're not submitted. You're subdued. What do you mean by subdued? What I mean by subdued is this. You know how to play the part. You know how to go through the motions. You know all the songs. You you know how to wear your clothes. You know all those things. You've got the parents. You've got the Christian school. you got the youth group. you got the church. Hey, listen, you're here as a member of Southwest Baptist Church. You're a pastor. You're a youth pastor. You're a youth pastor's wife, et cetera, et cetera. We know, hang on, we know what it's like to... Be subdued and say, you know, it's just better for me if I just kind of get with the program and it makes my life work easier if I just kind of go along with it. And you're subdued maybe because you had an older sister, an older brother that was, that was rebellious and you saw what it did to them. And so you just kind of fly under the radar and you are a rebel, but you're a cooperative rebel. And here's what Job did not say. Job did not say, God, I'm sorry that I said that. I take it back. He didn't say it. He didn't say it. He didn't say, God, I'm sorry that I said that you were not righteous. I'm sorry that I didn't say that. He did not say that in chapter 40. He was subdued, but he was not surrendered. How do you know that? Well, because the science lesson continues and God continues to speak and he's still working at Job. And listen, God knows. God in heaven knows whether you're here subdued to him or whether you are submitted to him. God knows your heart, and he knows if you're still hanging on to something. And I don't know all of what was going on in Job's heart, but I know that he didn't go ahead and say, God, would you forgive me? I repent. He didn't repent right there. And so God went on and said, can you control behemoth? I mean, truly, most likely, it's not a hippo. Says it's got a tail like a cedar tree. Hippos. That's it. This, my friend, was a prehistoric. I mean, talking about like a, like a di- I mean, it's a dinosaur is what it is. Behemoth is a dinosaur. Right. Leviathan leviathan is it was it's extinct now but but no no doubt in job's day and listen by the way science has a way of catching up with revelation science has a way of catching up with scripture what even people say well dinosaurs and man didn't live together ah! and then eventually science proves oh yes actually they did <laughs> behemoth leviathan And what God actually is saying to Job there is not just do you know about them and can you control them, but he's actually saying this you know better than to approach them. In your right mind, you know better than to go say, come on, come on, behemoth. (laughs) It's in the Bible. I guarantee you, I mean, just just this little illustration came to my mind today as I was thinking about my papa-law, my my granddad and my mom's dad As he had a bull. Not behemoth, not Leviathan size. I'm just talking about a bull out in the yard, out in the, not in the yard, hang on. (laughs) Out out in the field and there was a field, you know, there's fence and sometimes he'd have him on this side of the fence, sometimes he'd have him on that side of the fence. But I'll tell you what, I've got a lot of respect for bulls. And then what I did not do is I did not go out there and say, hey, bull, I don't like how you're running things over here. I'm putting you over here on this side. Come here. Grab him by the nose. Come with me right now. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. In my dreams, but not in my right mind. You follow what I'm saying? You don't approach something that has such power. Wait a minute. If you would not approach a bull that is created, how much less should you approach with your ideas about life and your agenda and the way that you think things ought to run, how much less should you approach the God who made behemoth and made Leviathan? In other words, God would say to Job, Job, you are out of rank. Then... Job said, you can do everything. I'm not powerful, but you are. Amen. You can do everything and no thought, the word thought there means this, no imagination, no idea, no purpose, no plan that you come up with can be hindered. In other words, what you plan will work. What I plan today didn't work. You know what he's recognizing? God, you're sovereign. You know what will help you tonight? Just resign as a CEO of the universe. Resign as the CEO of your life. I'm saying to you, resign. I'm pleading with you tonight, resign. You're not not smart enough. Right? You're not, (laughs) preaching to the choir right here. You're not smart enough. You're not smart enough. You you don't know enough. You don't know what's coming tomorrow, but he does. You don't know what's gonna come in 10 years, but he does. He knew that we would have a coronavirus. I didn't, but he does. I can't handle it, but he can. You can't handle life. You can't pay your bills, you know that. You can't pay your bills. You can't get your work done. You're not even ready for tomorrow. Is that right? You're not, (laughs) that's right. They're not ready for tomorrow, but he is. You don't know, and you don't even understand what you read today. Plus, you fell asleep while reading. Some of you were asleep until I turned around just a moment ago. But listen, we're serving a God who never slumbers. He never sleeps. He never has to ask for counsel. He never wonders, what am I gonna do? No, He is God what he plans will come through. God, Job says, God, you asked me a moment ago, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? That'd be me. I was talking and I didn't know what I was talking about. I was so wrong. Well, that's what we need to say to God. God, I've been wrong. You've been so right. You said to me, speak. You, you, said, you, you said to me, rather, that you would, you would speak to me and that I would listen and listen. God, I heard you. I heard you. I got it you know what he said he said I heard about you by the hearing of the ear but now my eye sees okay hang on wait wait it's kind of like this maybe you've heard about the Grand Canyon all right that's great seen pictures read books great Go there. I've heard about it. But now I've seen it. Go down in it. It's vast. Big. You know what Job is saying? God, I've heard about you all my life, but now I've had personal experience with you. And watch this. This is the crux of the whole message right here. Are you listening? Say amen. Amen. The more Job knew about the greatness of God, the more he realized what a relief submission really was. Amen. Amen. The more he knew about the greatness of God, the greater the relief in submission. The greater he became aware of God's greatness, the more that he was relieved by saying, I abhor myself. In other words, I reject what I've said. I was wrong in saying that. I'm putting dust and ashes on my ideas about that. I'm burying it because it was totally wrong and you are totally right. And would you please forgive me? I repent and I humble myself and I submit to you. And it wasn't hard for him to submit when he realized God's greatness. Some of you tonight may really be in a struggle. Because for you to say, okay God, I want you to take my life. I surrender to you I'll do what you want me to do. What keeps us from that? We're holding on to our ideas. I'm not going to say anymore. I'll be subdued. But I won't submit. I'm looking at you tonight. And I believe... You've got incredible potential. Some of you have a very rare personality. I want to have a few people stand up here but I'm not. (laughs) Incredible personality. Great talent. Great ability. The ability to retain things in your mind. Physical strength. You can make it in academics. You've got a lot of potential. That's not what we're evaluating here tonight. We're evaluating this. Are you submitted? It does not matter what kind of privilege you have in your background. Your parents may be godly, your dad may be pastor, missionary, et cetera, et cetera. You, you may have all that going for you, but I'm telling you tonight, if you're not submitted, God can't teach you what he wants to teach you and he can't use you in the way that he wants to use you. But tonight, if you'll come like Job and say, God, I don't want to just be subdued and just kind of go through this, but you've been working me over. And it may be that God's calling some of you into the ministry and you're wrestling and you're wrestling and you think you, you can't do that. Well, that's a good thought right there because you can, but he can through you, but you're wrestling with God and you don't want To give up because you've got your dreams and you've got your ambitions and you've got your ideas about life or you've got your ideas about this girl or about this guy or about this career or about this job or etc. etc. And what you need to do is let that go and find the real true relief that comes by way of submission. We got it backwards in our minds. We think if we submit, we lose. A wife may say, if I submit, I lose. That's not what God said. God said, submit. Yeah, but you don't know him. Well, God does. And God can deal with him. If he can control Leviathan and Behemoth, he can control the beast at home. (laughs) Listen. Me, submit to him. Me, love her. Love her as Christ loved the church. What? Yeah, but she said this and she did that and she talked to her mom about this and she went on Facebook about that and she, 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 she. Well, what about you, 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 and you? I'm not here to talk about me, 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 and me. You see where it is? We get bowed up in pride. But, oh, listen, what a relief when I come to a place of submission. August the 1st, 1991, I surrendered at Camp Chautauqua, Southern Ohio, to do, prayed with Angie's dad. God had been working on my heart about a call to preach. I'd been wrestling about it that whole summer, even longer than that in many ways. But I'm telling you, what a relief that day when I came forward and I said, Brother Decker, I believe God's called me to preach, but I just want to do whatever God wants me to do. And I'm telling you, that day that I surrendered to God, I have never, never, never once regretted it. It has been a wonderful experience just trying to serve and love God. And I'm not perfect. Everybody understands that because I don't have to be because he is. don't know everything but he does i can't do everything but he can i'm telling you what a great relief i found in a place of simple surrender and that's available to you as well the relief of submission the relief of submission let's stand together here tonight I think some of you may be in a battle. I'm I'm not just talking to a College Days guest. I'm I'm talking to students of Heartland Baptist Bible College, but I'm not just talking to students of Heartland Baptist Bible College. I'm speaking to members of Southwest Baptist Church that may be holding on to something they don't want to let go. It could be bitterness or it could be even the tithe or it could be an area of service to God or an area of surrender. Hey, listen, folks, you can keep battling and holding on to that. Or you can come to a place of surrender and saying, God, I surrender. Heavenly Father, you know what a battlefield our hearts are. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help those that are struggling in some way with submission. I pray tonight that you'd bring them to the cross. I pray tonight that you'd bring them, if they need salvation, to salvation. If you're calling them to service, then God, to surrender to that service. God, if it's that they are not willing to give up on a certain sin that they've been holding on to, I pray tonight that they'd come to the altar and use the altar like it's meant to be used as a place to become a living sacrifice. Help us tonight, oh God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 483, I and all. Just come. Just come. He invites you.